Live. Welcome to another episode of Unscripted, and I have the great pleasure to introduce uh, Jyothi Dugar, the Chaos Guru. Thanks very much, Jyothi, for joining me today. Much appreciated. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Happy New Year, and I'm glad to be here today. Yeah, thank you very much. So, I don't even know where to get started. I love um, your background, um, and we got connected, uh, recommended we, we have this conversation today. And maybe you can help me out and just give me a... a kind of a walk through memory lane and how you started, how you got into the tech and then how you got into having your own podcast and some of the things you advocate for. Sure. I started in cybersecurity uh, 20 years ago and uh, a lot of people ask me, well, did you start working when you were 10? I'm like, no, it wasn't exactly 10, but it was probably 12, <laughs> um, which is actually, it, it is true. I joined the, uh, there was a military program at high school that I joined, um, not necessarily in cyber because it didn't exist back then, but it was actually when the internet first came out, uh, I was, I was right there uh, and we were actually doing research on the different search engines back then it was like Lycos and Yahoo and uh, you know things that really don't exist anymore in this day and age. Um, uh, but I've always been excited uh, about IT and technology in general. I did electrical engineering in college, uh, and I was trying to look at cyber options. Again, they didn't exist. The closest I got was networking, um, which didn't really excite me too much. Um, and then I graduated. I traveled the world for six years. I did uh, um, all kinds of things, training, different parts in technology. Um, and my old boss, I still remember this, he said, there's something called cybersecurity out there and there's a training program. Like you might want to just give it a shot and sounds like something that would really be good for you because I was really good at problem solving. Uh, I mean, I liked it, solving problems and um, and I didn't really, I, I was never really cut out to be the person to go to a position where you just do the same thing every day. So this sounded exciting. Um, so I jumped in, I got my certification. I think it was a GSEC uh, certification about 20 years ago. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot, maybe do it for a couple of years and then I'll move on to something else. But it, you know, I think once you get in, it's impossible to leave <laughs> the cybersecurity world because it's just so fascinating. Um, and you know, it's growing by the day. It's never going to, it's never going away at this point in time. It's only going to get, uh, more expansive. And I feel like that's the beauty of the field that there's just so much you can do in the field. And, uh, me being a woman and a minority, uh, I must say it wasn't always easy and it wasn't always fun, uh, cause you're one of the few, uh, I'm glad that dynamic is changing, uh, in the current day and time, maybe not as fast as I'd like, but at least it is, it is changing. So I'll, I'll stop there. There's, there's a lot I could add in, in terms of just diversity and, uh, you know, empowering women to be in fields where there is a lot of male domination. Uh, absolutely. So why don't we like just double click on a couple of things? What do you think that in terms of your upbringing, like that you, you were attracted to kind of the technical field, but as you mentioned, you were always a good problem solver. Um, you know, I personally struggle sometimes with, you know, with uh, raising uh, two young kids, two young boys and how to solve problems because the education systems today seems to, to be able to teach you um, a predefined set of problems and how to solve those, but not, not like the kind of the chaos that's in real life and in, in the workplace and in terms of problem solving. So if you don't mind, can you share some of your experiences in, in terms of maybe your parents, maybe some, some role models, whatever else you can share with us, that'd be great. Sure. So I'll actually get personal on this. Uh, I was the only child My and my parents brought me here when I was one. So I was pretty much raised in, in the U.S. and in Maryland. And I had a pretty traumatic childhood. Uh, you know, to say the least. So I always, I had to start problem solving when I was five years old, just to figure out, okay, how do I survive this, this type of environment? Uh, and I had to be really strategic You know, I can't just, I couldn't just be a, a kid, um, but you know, pretty much my, my whole childhood, I almost had to act 
uh, and think as an adult, even as a child and figure out, okay, what is my strategy? When do I ask the, the questions? What is the right questions to ask? How do I not put myself in the line of fire or, you know, um, quote unquote. So I really had to figure out how to, how to get myself into a safe uh, situation, but also figure out what, what, what's the best tactics I could use uh, pretty much as a child. Uh, and I took that with me uh, pretty much my whole life and even up to today. So I, I totally understand. I have three kids of my own. I'm also a single mom. And a lot of times I, you know, every child is different. So, you know, I do, uh, I was also an engineer. So were my parents. So that also helped out because I always thought like an engineer. Um, there was never a situation where I encountered in my life where uh, I just thought of myself as a victim and stayed in that mode. You know, I, I might have thought of myself as a victim for a short period of time, but then I really, I always try to just move past that or move through it and then get out of it and then figure out, okay, what do I need to do to solve this problem and, and learn those lessons and move on. And I think in cyber, that's, that's all cyber is it's like, right. You know, right? It's, like, it's like solving problems, uh, figuring out the root cause of the problem, uh, uh, and then fixing that and, and then, you know, looking at the lessons learned and then trying not to make those same mistakes again. And I think that's what I teach my kids up to today, too. I have a 12, 9 and 6 year old. And whenever they come to me with a problem, I don't try to solve it for them. I just offer some empathy and I ask them, OK, well, how are you planning to solve this? What are your ideas? And I think, like you said, the school's don't necessarily teach them in that way. They, they, or they just give them very limited options. Um, or they say, just go to an adult. And I, I try my best. I have two girls and one son. And I, especially for my girls, I tell them like, you know, you can't keep going to other people to solve your own problems. You have to be able to solve them, um, on your own and you're going to fail in, in things. And that's okay. Um, cause that's the one number one thing that I learned in my childhood is, um, is 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 in spite of my parents like where you're looked at in especially in the indian community if you you know don't get a 4.0 average you're considered kind of a failure um and you know what i learned from that is well that's first of all it's a lot of pressure and especially if you're doing a whole lot of other activities and who's thinking of you as a failure is it society is it your parents is it um culture uh, and is it truly a failure? Because, you know, you, you can only learn when you, when you quote unquote fail, otherwise you're, you, you, otherwise you really have no opportunity to grow and evolve and realize that, oh, you could have done something better or you could have done something differently. Um, so I tell my kids all the time that, you know, if you don't have to be perfect at everything, in fact, that doesn't, that doesn't even exist. Um, and if you, if you quote unquote fail, it's okay. Cause look at it as failing forward. As long as you're learning your lessons and, and you take those lessons and just look forward and move, move, move in the right direction versus, versus always looking back and trying to figure out what you did wrong. And Jyothi, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm trying to have my, all my thoughts in order because there's so much you pack into a short, short amount of time. And if you don't mind, let me ask you a couple more questions, specifically what you just mentioned. So what I hear from you is that you had to battle like an external environment, um, you know, whether it's some sort of conceptions or what you're supposed to do, um, you know, with traditional Indian family. Uh, we talk about uh, the female role. We talk about, you know, male-dominated roles. Um, and you had to figure a lot of a lot of it stuff on your own you know while you're doing it. so like on on the job training on all fronts can you like just dig again into your background and find maybe some defining moments that you you realize aha maybe i if i don't get 4.0 gpa i'm still not a failure maybe if i do choose a you know a stem discipline and go afterwards i'm still not a failure maybe you know, if I'm not traditional in the sense of the world, uh, the, maybe I'm still not a failure. Where, where in the, that journey that you started to define what success is for your own self? Sure, I I've had three 
points in my life that I would consider uh, transformational. Uh, you know, one, when I graduated college uh, and then I left my parents' house and I had about 10 offers lined up for me, government, private sector, um, you know, you name it. And it was, it was the best year to graduate. It was the year of 2000, uh, right before the dot-com hit. So all the companies were offering, you know, sign-on bonuses and everything. So I actually took uh, uh, a position with Capgemini Ernst & Young, and I got to live in Europe for about two and a half years, which was wonderful. It just really opened up, opened my eyes to different cultures, different ways of doing things, different people, and I, and then I traveled uh, all of the U.S. I joined Northrop Grumman. So I did a lot of traveling in, in the first five to six years of my full-time career. Uh, you know, like I said, I was, I was still working through high school and college as well, but this was, you know, starting my full-time career. And I, I really, that really opened up my eyes to just different ways and different perspectives uh, because living in America throughout my childhood, you know, you, you get used to one type or one set of opinions and culture and society. Um, and then you start exploring other, other cultures and other countries. And I really learned like, oh, well, you don't have to work, uh, 24 seven and live your job and have your job be your life. Like you can also, uh, be yourself, like you be your authentic self and find out like what makes you happy and take time to do that, like self care. Um, and that really leads to my next journey, um, into wellness. Um, I have three kids and after my third baby, I was given six weeks to live because of an incompetent OB that botched my entire C-section. And that was my, my next transformational point where I had to figure out, okay, how do I survive? Because I didn't want to put my hands into, put myself into the hands of Western medical doctors and surgeons um, in order for me to to heal myself. So I actually found a whole world of natural and alternative medicines and therapies and modalities, and I actually was able to heal myself um, naturally. It took me three years, but you know, I, I I I was able to do it, and that I. Then I started learning all of these modalities and started my own wellness practice. And I'm also a wellness coach now. And I started bringing that into my work, um, especially in cybersecurity and technology, because I noticed that there's a lot of burnout and stress and uh, overwhelm in technology, especially if you take the leadership route, because not only are you, are you managing technologies, but you're also managing people. Um, and that can be very stressful. Uh, so I started my own health and wellness practice, um, or uh, actually a program um, at my current organization. It was the first health and wellness program for technology, and it was a huge success. Um, then I also started a coaching practice as well. So I try to, you know, bring out, I've, I've learned to bring out my own authenticity and bring ev all parts of me to the table and try to merge them together, which is which has been great. Uh, so a lot of my talks um, and my whole podcast is, is, is called Wellness for Tech. Um, it's really trying to blend the wellness world with the technology world and, and help technology leaders lead well from, from within. And we'll definitely dive into that because I have a few questions in regards to that. Um, again, from, from talking to you, I, I hear that through you know, adversity, I would say, you know, you you grew and you learned and you developed and you embraced that uh, to become better and reinvent yourself on different levels. How do you do that? Is there any way we can do that collectively now without going through it? Meaning, for example, you know, you said that you have three kids and you're trying to teach them to, to be better and you say, okay, you know, go ahead and try to solve it on your own because there may not be somebody there to help you. But potentially it's hard to learn from other people's experiences. How do you replicate what you know um, without actually having to go through all those adversities and kind of instill the that tenacity? It's almost like the hormesis principle, right? So what doesn't kill you make you a little stronger. So you had to go through that and you came out strong on the other side. But is there any way we can, we can take the younger generation because we are very protective today this society is very protective. We don't allow our kids to experience anything. We, even in the playground, I see like they're all like, you know, almost synthetic. You know, they, we don't allow them to get scratched. 
what's your opinion on that as a again as a health coach as somebody who's who's gone through it and redeveloped themselves it is definitely challenging and the culture has is very different than when i grew up uh a lot more complicated as well you know there, there wasn't social media and all of this technology that exists today um or even like cyber bullying or even just normal bullying and you, you know the, um to, to the extent that it is today so it's, it's definitely challenging and i could see it in my own kids uh, as well they also have a very heightened sense of entitlement especially if you you know if you if you have a you know a, if you live in a decent area and you're going to a good school um you know there's it's like keeping up with the joneses feeling uh, as as a family and i it's it's hard as a parent to to not get engrossed into that that mindset um you know oh this other person bought their kid a you know an iphone whatever latest model there is and mike's like oh can i have that too I'm like you already have an you're, you have a phone that works that's all you need <laughs> like you don't need the latest you know technology um being a child and i think it's setting it's it's having crucial conversations with your kids um is is important just the same way that you would have a crucial conversation with your your colleagues or or the people that work for you or the people that you work for um i treat my children sometimes pretty much similar to a work setting you know if you're the leader of the family it's it's on your it's your responsibility to uh, inspire those that work for you and that work with you um now me being a single parent you know, I feel like th there's a lot of pressure there uh, to have these conversations with their kids and let them know, like, look, this is what I'm willing to do for you. And these are just some of these other things that they always ask for are just um, their wants, they're not needs. And there's a limited amount of wants that um, that I can afford to get for you and that I want to get for you. Um, and then have them, you know, I set up an allowance system for them. And like, if you want to buy something for yourself, you could, you know, we can work your way towards that. But then you also have to think like, do I, do I spend it on this or do I save it? And then, you know, um, invest it. I also teach them about stock markets and investing, you know, do you want to go for the instant gratification or do you, you know, want to grow your money and you could buy something even, even better later on or not even buy it. You could just invest it and have more of an experience. So I think it all comes down to, setting the expectations for your kids um you know depending on the age like my youngest is almost about to be six and i started having conversations with her even when she was four and just um trying to get the kids to understand that the instant gratification only lasts for so long um you know two two weeks from now you're going to look at these toys and it's going to be on the floor somewhere half the parts are going to be missing you're not really going to care about it um but the part that you asked going back to um you know how, how do you really it, the protection can also it can start there's a lot of judgment as well you know in the parenting community like if if you're the parent that lets your kids fall off the 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 monkey bars and so they learn right oh well you know but but, I, but it's not a failure it's like okay you're going to have, you know, you're going to be, you should be prepared to fall in playgrounds. That's just how kids, that's just natural consequences. <laughs> and it's not necessarily bad consequences, right? Oh, you fell off the monkey bars because, you know, maybe you, you know, your hands are too slippery. Okay, well, let's try again. Um, you know, maybe take off your gloves this time. So it's, so it's also how the parents react to their children when things like that happen. And I know all too well, sometimes you go there and, the moment somebody falls, like the parents are rushing after them. I'm like, it's just a scratch. Like it's, it's fine. Um, and I think when they, I think when your kids see that you're not re reacting like that, in fact, I encourage them like, oh, good job. Like that was a great fall. Now pick yourself back up and try again. <laughs> um, and you don't make it a big deal. Then they kind of learn, oh, okay. You know, my, my son does that all the time. He would be bleeding and he would just be like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go back and play there. I'm like, okay, let's just clean this up first and then you can go. <laughs> um, but if you don't establish things like that and you're too worried about what other parents think of you or, um, you know, or you're different than how other parents might handle it, then I think that's where sometimes you get caught into the, the, uh, the whole rigmarole of, you know, keeping up with the Joneses feeling. 
and and again if we, i hope you enjoyed having this conversation because it's it's really intriguing to me because you know do you do you feel that we can win that battle because we only have limited fairly limited time with the with the kids unfortunately you know we're, we're working parents um you know we they spend a lot of time in school and systems that we don't have access to uh, which instills some other types of potentially some other types of, of uh, rules and, and you know uh, rule sets for I give an example like you know it's all about fairness you know sharing is caring is very synthetic and then you 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 know you go into the real world you know jo- like you know nobody gives you the car because they feel oh we, we can we need to share it and then in the workplace you know you know how it is especially being a, a woman minority sometimes you have to you know, use your elbows to, to get ahead uh, in the corporate world. And it's just how it is, not just women, just, you know, everybody has to do that. Um, so do you find that we are in constant battle between what we're trying to teach our kids and still in, in, in them and, and what the society currently is is, um, is telling them? Um, because, and maybe that's why we, I don't know if you've had a chance to work with younger younger folks, but, you know, that sense of entitlement uh, actually is carried over from what you just described uh, to the workplace. A lot of them feel that they, they're, yep. you know, doing some work is beneath them and they should have like some other more meaningful work. But sometimes not everything is, unfortunately, not everybody can do meaningful work. I, I just wanted, and I kind of blubbering a bit away, but I would love to, mm-hmm. to, to get your sense of it and what you're saying and potentially how we can collectively uh, win this. Sure. Um I mean, me personally, I, I believe in walking the talk. So, uh, and kids these days are very smart. Uh, they'll, they'll catch you in a matter of seconds if you say something and then you do something totally opposite. Like, hey, well, you said not to do, you know. So, uh, so I try my best. I, so this is how I think of myself. So I'm an executive in, in my workplace and I also consider myself an executive in my home place. So as an executive, you're being watched at all times at work, right? Whatever you say, whatever you wear, your hairstyle, like what you eat, <laughs> um, Jose, who you talk you, to. It's not what you say, it's what you do. I think that really matters, especially in the workplace and at home. Yeah, and, and both, right? If you say something and you do something opposite, or if you say something and you don't do it, and then, you know, people will consider, oh, she's just all talk and, you know, she's not really going to follow through. And exactly, it, it's the, the same kind of concepts apply in your home setting, especially as a parent, because you are the leader of, of your family. And so so I try my best, you know, I may not succeed 100% of the time, but when you don't, or when I don't, then I take that opportunity to go back to my kids, or maybe it only affected one kid, but all the other kids are watching how you handle every situation. You know, my oldest is 12, she just turned 12 now, and she's a, you know, a preteen that thinks that she knows, you know, she's going to conquer the world, and she may, but you know, she thinks she's learned everything in life and she's so much smarter than everybody else, uh, especially her, her parents. And I get that. Uh, and so I have to use a different strategy in working with her than I, than with my other two, but the same concepts apply to the workplace, right? If you, every person is different, you can't use the same, uh, strategy just to work with like everyone, even if they, even your subordinates at work, with you um so so i do i do assessments at work um like personality assessments and things like that because it's important you know they don't define you but they're a part of you and it's 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 important for leaders to understand okay every person learns differently every person has their own traits and personalities and experiences and skill sets and you can't just say, well, this is the rule that applies to everyone and you have to do it the exact same way that I told you. Uh, so I really try to keep my authentic self in my work setting and also in um, my personal settings, especially with the children, because I, that helps me be the same person instead of like, oh, I'm a totally different person at work and I'm a totally different person at, at home. But again, it's walking the talk. It's also having these conversations with each of your children 
figuring out what are their pain points like what are they going through how can how can you help them the same way you would have conversations with your employees you know how can you help them grow um, and then also take ownership of or an accountability for themselves and not be afraid to tell you when they did something wrong um, you know that's not to say there there aren't consequences but a consequence is different from a punishment in my opinion like you wouldn't give a punishment to an employee there but there would be consequences for bad conduct or bad performance. Um, so we actually established something called a most helpful person uh, methodology in the house. And whoever wins that, you know, gets, you know, an extra, uh, something extra in, in the week. And they love that concept because they, you know, and, and you know, it is the same way at work. Like you, you get a certain salary for doing a certain job but then no one is paying you to come back home and take care of your kids. Like you don't get paid for that. Um, so I told them like, okay, so, you know, if you do X, Y, and Z things, like, you know, you'll get a certain allowance. Um, but then there are things that you're, you're going to have to do like chores and jobs just for having a home to live in, <laughs> um, that's safe and secure. And they didn't understand that at first. Like, well, wait, so we have to clean the dishes and we don't, we don't get an allowance for this. I'm like, no, because if you don't clean the dishes, I'm not going to do like all this work and who's going to do it? Like dishes will just stay there. Um, so they, they get that concept now. So I, I would say just trying to be consistent um, and then setting expectations ahead of time, giving them many opportunities to succeed, um, you know, not making it so hard that they can never win because, you know, everyone wants to feel successful in their in their own right you know so i think it's just important to realize okay you know for a five-year-old it's going to look different than a than an eight-year-old and that's going to look different than a preteen. and the same applies to a work setting right you're not going to give a junior level staff member the same kind of responsibilities as someone that uh that's that's been there for a while or that's a supervisor um so i think that's that's what i would say is being consistent having crucial conversations, not shying away from those, walking the talk, um, and then taking responsibilities for yourself. If you made a mistake, like accepting that for your, for your kids and going back to them and apologizing, you know, it's, it's, you know, we have to kind of let our pride and ego, um, put that aside. You know, it's okay to apologize to, to your kids. Yeah. I love that. Taking ownership when you, you made the wrong decisions, both on executive settings. And I love the the analogy I use the same the same way sometimes when my my kids ask me something and I say well you know I empower you make the executive decision you make the decision what you want to do what you feel is right um, and uh, you know I love the similarities between between the two uh, I think there's a lot to be said so let me change topic real quick um, you mentioned that you you built one of the first programs around uh, health and wellness around specifically for the technical staff um what triggered that and you mentioned it was a great success what can you pinpoint why was it a success sure the 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 trigger was my own journey in, in wellness and i and since i was in both you know i was a, a leader in cyber and technology um and i can feel myself getting stressed out and burnt out and overwhelmed um you know not only from a personal perspective but also from uh, a work perspective, I knew and I, I, I saw the similar uh, issues across the board, you know, people were getting sick, uh, uh, you know, they were they were taking a lot of, you know, they would have to leave just because the work was so stressful. Um, and, you know, I really wanted to do something like I wanted to, br I wanted to one blend all my uh, all the different aspects of me together. Um, and then I also wanted to find a way to, to help uh, technology and cyber leaders out there, um, not just leaders, but emerging leaders and just all staff uh, build morale and also prioritize their health and wellness. Um, and this was before COVID. Uh, so my, my youngest is six or almost six now. So this was, you know, well before COVID where people weren't really looking at health and wellness as, as a priority. 
you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll get to it. Or, you know, I don't have time to exercise or go to the gym or it's not just physical exercise. It's also, do you spend time in, uh, meditating or do you really go within? Do you have, you know, do you um, reflect on, on your life or anything like that? Do you set aside time for yourself? And most people weren't and, you know, guilty uh, as charged. Like I wasn't either until this, this event happened. Um, and like you pointed out earlier, I didn't want people to get that phone call from their wait until they, you know, they get a phone call saying, oh, you really need to, you know, um, prioritize your health uh, or have something happen where maybe it might be too late. So I wanted to figure out a way to how do I how do I get people to understand or bring that awareness to people that you unless you are well within, like you can't lead well because it comes from it comes from within you. So if you're not happy, if you're not in peace, if you're if you don't feel healthy and and, and if you don't feel proud of yourself, then it's impossible for you to to show that to somebody else or to empower um, others. And as a leader, that's your primary goal is to empower other leaders as well. So when I first, you know, brought up the idea to to my supervisor at the time, you know, they were they were understanding and they they thought it was a good idea. But of course, they're like, okay, well, you can do that in your own time. There's no resources. There's no funding. Um, uh, and as long as it doesn't affect your your normal position, then you know we're fine with it. So it was more of a yes, you have our permission to go ahead, but. No one's really going to help you with this, uh, which I fully expected. So I'm like, okay, great. As as long as I have the permission, like I I will figure out what what I need to do. Um, and that's so I took all of the skills I learned. You know, I, I I do feel like every everything prepares you for like the next step in life. So if you're going through a challenging period right now, I think for everyone out there, you know, just know it's preparing you for your future and you know, you can take all of these lessons with you. Um, so all the childhood traumas that I had to overcome and then this wellness journey I had to overcome, um, you know, set me up to create this program there because I just, I started with teaching workshops on my own. So I created flyers and put that out there, sent emails, and then I, you know, blocked a, a one-hour chunk of time during lunch. I think I called it Wellness Wednesdays and everyone's calendar. So this is across the entire organization. It wasn't just for the technology stuff. Um, and little by little, and I, I just started teaching it on my own. Like, okay, I'm going to teach a quick, like, 10-minute, like, meditation. And the one thing that I started really doing in in my own practices and my my courses and and the book that I wrote is I knew as a working parent um even if you're even if you have two parents you don't have 45 minutes in the day to set aside time and do a yoga session or meditation or even maybe go to the gym um, and I know I didn't so I had to find ways to incorporate mind body energy um, exercises throughout the day and I started realizing like, oh, it has the same, if not better effect than, than being so stressed out and overwhelmed 23 hours a day and then just doing something for like one hour because it's what you do most that, that counts. So I started creating like two, three minute, five minute routines. And then I just, you know, set aside five minutes every hour and to do those. And I noticed I had a lot more energy. I had, um, you know, you when you have a lot more energy, then you feel like you have, you have more time on your hands as well. So it's really, I learned it's all about energy management, not time management. So I started bringing these techniques to um, the program at work. And, you know, that's, so everyone started practicing those and just simple things, you know, it's, it's you don't have to set aside a, you know, a, a space and time. You can just put put it on your calendar. Like at the end of every hour, um, you know, just put a five minute block that you can just um, look out the window, go for a quick five minute walk, or just you know, stop looking at your computer, do something different, um, and and you know, start picking up speed. And I think little by little, other uh, institutes within my organization started also wanting to join. So and now it's kind of it, it just runs by itself. So. It was a great experience. And, and Jody, let me, let me ask you this. You glance over it, but again, from my experience in knowing people, I would say 
nine out of ten people that will get uh, the feedback that you receive from their management would just abandon the whole idea, just move on. It just, and I'll let it sink for a second. Why it did not happen with you? Why did you decide to pursue it anyway? So great question. Um, I think when you grew, when you grow up getting no for an answer right from when you were a kid, it, it it's almost like a challenge. You know, it's like, oh, okay, all right, they're just saying no right now, but you know, let me, that just means I haven't done my job and asking the right question and then producing like the right amount of justification. So like I, and it, you know, I, I, I contribute a lot of who I am today to my childhood. Like I knew if I had to go to my mom and ask for anything, the answer was going to be no. <laughs> Even if it's something good, like, oh, could I study more? She'll probably say no, just because it was a question that was a request. So I'm like, okay, so I need to approach this. I need to re be really strategic and then, you know, go in there with a story because everyone likes a, a good story, especially when you can paint the story to show how it's going to benefit them. Right. So if you have a request and it's all about you, well, I need more money because I want to do this and blah, blah, and blah. Like, yeah, you can almost guarantee the answer is going to be no. But if you go in there with a uh, good enough story, like, okay, I'm trying to create this program, you know, it's for the benefit of the staff and for the leadership and teaching them ways to, to uh, be more effective and successful in, in their roles. Um, so that would like reduce, you know, burnout and staff and less time off of work and things like that. They're like, oh, I mean, why would you say no to that? Um, and then I'm not asking for any money. You know, it's like, you know, I, I, I got this. And that's the part that I had to figure out, you know, for myself. Like, okay, well, I can do it for free. And then I can reach out to like my own wellness network and, and which I did and see who's willing to kind of offer uh, maybe like an initial set of free sessions and kind of work with me. So their name and their company gets out there as well. So what's the benefit for them? Right. It's like, oh, well, hey, you can you know, I can I can put your bio out there and your company. So if someone wants to individually reach out to you to get, the, you know, whatever uh, healing or therapy that they want, they, they can. So I had to kind of make it a win-win for all parties until it started. They started realizing the true like effect of it, and then then it was kind of a no-brainer. They're like, oh, so then I said, okay, hey, you know, my wellness staff is only or professionals that I work with are only willing to offer this many sessions for free. After that, like it's not going to be free anymore. But it's a very nominal, you know, charge. So it's not like it's it's going to cost them an arm and a leg. So I think that's the key that we can really take. Uh, in any profession and in any situation, like being able to tell the story in a way that you can paint the outcome, uh, a positive outcome for the other party. You know, it's not just about yourself. Um, and then show them, you know, really don't give them a reason to say no, because essentially she didn't, they didn't say no. If they had said no, I would, I would, I would kind of take it as a, okay, well, what did I do wrong or what can I, okay. I would just take a no as a temporary no. <laughs> um, and I think that's that's the key that I tell my kids in life. Like it's a no for now, you know, because and take that as okay, you didn't you need to come back to me with a proper justification, like why should I do this for you? You know, what what is it how how is that going to benefit the family or the you know, and put it in that way. Just to kind of start teaching them young, like stop thinking of yourself, like put the other person, especially if you're asking for something from another person, you need to put the other person first and then and then almost don't give them a reason um, to, to say no. You know, it sounds like, uh, you know, especially in the corporate environment, sometimes it's it's not no because it's, you know, I guess politically incorrect. So they just say, well, hold on for a second, maybe we should do this or or not now or, well, we have to go through these things first. And it sounds like two principles. One is that you, a no for you is just the fact that you didn't ask the question the right way and it didn't justify enough. That's number one. And then the second thing is I would hear is that you do first and ask for forgiveness later. That, yeah. Uh... And you have to be careful with that, right? Like if you use it all the time, then you won't, you won't really be given Sparably. the opportunity to do that. So I think once you've built up a certain reputation and, and trust and rapport, 
uh, and you, and you've shown you have proven success to all of your ideas. I think you could use that uh, limitedly. Um, you know, if it's something, especially if it's something crucial that that you don't have the time to really go through this whole uh, process with. Like, hey, I had to make a decision on the fly, and you know, uh, I'll apologize later. Um, and I think that that's understandable. But if you use it all the time, you know, I, everything in moderation. And, and tell me, you had to build this this program from scratch, and you don't necessarily. You're an engineer by profession. You had the background, the cybersecurity background. You've like a self taught. Um, problem solver, but uh, you don't necessarily come from from the health and wellness world. You know, I guess just professionally speaking, how would you? And it's a it's a really big task. Again, it's like where did you go first? How did you figure out? You you, you define the problem because you had the the problem, but then you're trying to find a solution, and the solution wasn't something that you was naturally coming to you, not from a background perspective and so on. How did you go about? Okay figure things out so i do believe when you ask the answers will come so even from when i was given this situation in my my my, in my wellness um you know the surgeons will always say oh yeah you need all these surgeries without really any guaranteed results um so i knew what i didn't want which helped me try to figure out well what did i, what did I what do I want? So I knew I did not want to put myself in under multiple surgeons' hands again. That's what I didn't want. But then I was given six weeks to live. So I was like, okay. Um, and again, this is another situation where most people would have given look at looked at that six weeks and thought, oh, this is the end of the world, and you know, this is how my life's going to end. But I looked at it I was like, okay, well, I will take that six weeks and I'm going to figure something out. And if I don't figure something out, then I will come back and get the surgeries and see what happens. But I knew in my in my mind, like, okay, I, I will figure something out. And then I just started doing a whole lot of research, you know, okay, what do I, you know, are natural techniques, natural modalities, like, you know, things like that. And little by little things would, you know, come up and I would go try them. And the one thing I even learned in this process is certain things only work for a certain amount of time and that's okay. It doesn't mean like, that's it. Now you have to go backward. Um, and it took me a while to, to get to that understanding. So, so I would try a certain modality, it would take me so far and then it would plateau. And then that just, you know, I learned like, okay, well, I need to find another modality then. And then I would do that for a little bit of time and that would take me so far. So little by little I was improving. So I had to teach myself to look at the bigger picture and not what's happening today. It's so like, okay, well, from three months ago till this point in time, here's how much I've improved and through multiple different modalities. Okay, now it's just time that I need to find something else. And, you know, just do research, um, put your stories out there. I think that's the number one um, thing I would say. A lot of people want to keep things within them and not, you know, not say anything. But if I did that, I probably wouldn't be here today. Um, so I, you know, started telling my friends, or I'm like, hey, this is a situation I'm facing, but I'm trying these things. And then somebody, you know, you'll hear something like, oh, well, I heard of this acupuncture technique, like maybe you should look into that. And and I would never say no to anything. I would, I would you know, keep my mind open um, as well as my options. And little by little, you know, um, I, I started healing and, and things take time sometimes. Like good things don't happen overnight uh, usually. So it did take a good three years to really heal 100%, but I, I looked at it as progress, not, because I had no idea when I'm going to heal 100%. Um, but if I looked at that, like, oh, it's just take, taking too long, let me just get the surgeries, then who knows what would have happened with those. Um, so the same thing with the wellness program. Yeah, I had no idea how to start it, but it's like, okay, well, what do I need to do? Okay, maybe, uh, first of all, I need to figure out, like, what am I, who's going to teach, you know, these workshops? Like, how long should they be? Um, how do I bring in the awareness to the staff because they they might be like oh we don't need this um so so when you see the potential in something and nobody else does it's difficult to to bring that out of them um but i know what worked for me so all of these different modalities took a lot of time and i, I that's the one thing i knew people don't have that kind of time on their hands 
and neither did I. So I started mixing all of these different um, techniques together. And then, like I said before, I, I started just doing them like five minutes, like throughout the day. And I noticed that that had a much better effect than, than being stressed out, you know, all, all day long and then trying to dedicate like 45 minutes at the end of the day, because when you're in a state of chaos, like that's when you need um, a way to keep yourself calm and collected, right? It's it's not when you when you do like a 45 minute exercise, or going to the gym, that's great. You feel great for that period of time, but then you come back to a world of chaos. So are you able to transfer all of that positive energy into your existing world? And those are the techniques I started um, developing for myself. And then I started teaching others. And, and I'm sure that you had doubts along the way, no? I mean, it can be that you're like every day, you were like, oh, yeah, I'm right on the right path. You know, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm getting there little by little, as you mentioned. But did you ever, there were points where you wanted to abandon the whole thing or said, okay, I'm just, you know, I'm getting nowhere. Because, again, it's just you, you always, people always see the end results, but they don't see the how long it took and or what kind of effort or what kind of doubts were along the way. Yes, for sure. I mean, there's, there's, there's always fears in anything new um, that you do or fear in, of the unknown. Cause I didn't know if, I mean, even within that six weeks, I just, I just knew that I, what I didn't want uh, and I knew what I wanted, but I don't know, exactly how to do it or even if it's going to work uh, and people thought I was crazy uh, including my own family because like well you're going against the doctors but you're not a doctor and you don't know anything about it I'm like yeah that's true I'm not a doctor but uh who botched my c-section that was a doctor right <laughs> so you know if I put my hands in a person that who was a professional and if she made such a drastic uh you know a, a quote-unquote mistake then you know, I'm, I'm going to figure something out. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't have hundred percent confidence in myself that I, yes, I, I am going to figure something out, but I, I think the, the, the amount, the weight of what I didn't want, um, you know, over, it was kind of over like what I, what I really did want. So I'm like, okay, I really don't want to get multiple surgeries because who knows what's going to happen with those. Um, so I, I, I need to do something. And, um, it's also not giving up on what, what you do want. Um, and I think all entrepreneurs would say the same thing. You know, if you want to start a business, there are going to be days that you just want to give up. Like, oh, you know, it's just not worth it. Um, maybe I should just stick with a nine to five job. Um, and same, same in wellness too. And so I think it applies to all aspects of life, but if you really do want something and you truly believe in it and you need to be a hundred percent, you need to kind of also think about the why, um, especially if you want a business, right? If you're an entrepreneur, then you have to think about like, why do you want this business? Is it just to make money or do you really, are you really passionate about, you know, what you're doing in the business and um, what you're doing, who are the end customers and what are you doing for them? And if you can, if you're a hundred percent on that, there are always going to be days where like, Oh, it's, it's just hard. It's, it may not seem worth it, but you always have to kind of go back to the why. And my why in my own journey was I wanted to be a hundred percent, you know, to be there for my kids, for myself. I had like, I want to do a lot in, in this world and in my lifetime. So I'm like, Oh, I can't, I can't die. Like that's like you know, I have I have too much to like I I have so much that I want to you know conquer and 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 put out there um, for the world. Um, and I think every time something would would stop working, yeah, you you do feel like a setback. Like oh, like I thought this was going to carry me through. Like now this the, you know stop working. Um, but it's again, it's just kind of taking having some grace for yourself. Like it's okay, you know you're you're on the right, it's almost a lot of affirmations, you know, like telling yourself, yeah, you are on the right path. You know, you, you didn't choose the easiest path. Um, and when you don't choose the easiest path, like it is going to be challenging and not giving up, um, always going back to the why, um, and 
and and just almost visualizing the outcome of oh if i achieve this like what 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 does that look like and what does that feel like and trying to bring that that type of energy and feelings to the moment even before you have it and Jyoti, why do you think that now is is becoming front and center i mean we've been hearing about burnout in the workplace specifically for cybersecurity professionals combined with all kinds of things we hear like you know quiet quitting quiet hiring quiet everything like it just seems like there's just this almost um yeah, animosity between uh, you know employers and and employees and it's almost you know it's 2023 why are we not why is wellness in the workplace not even like a thing collectively that's been around for 20 years why why now I mean, this is not fairly not new. We, we've always known of people getting burnt out. Uh, we see that different professions from dentists to lawyers to, you know, like how many recovering lawyers you can you hear about. There's a lot of recovering cybersecurity professional people that went from pen testing to something else because of burnt out. So why now? Why all of a sudden the, the awareness? I think COVID brought a lot to light that was underneath the surface before, um, which is also why you see relations, uh, relationships, you know, uh, not working out or, you know, the highest number of divorce rates. Um, I think people, it, it really gave people a moment to step back and look at their life. Um, am I doing the right thing here? Um, is my career or money or success, uh, is that more important than um, my wellness. Uh, and, and when I say wellness, you know, happiness also has a different meaning today than it did before and success. Um, cause before, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you, you grow up, you get married, you have kids, you have like the white picket fence, you have a dog and, um, your kids are in activities they're going to the best schools. And it truly was like the keeping, you know, keeping up with the Joneses type of feeling. And that, that was a sign of success. Um, and I think the younger generation, especially these days, the millennials, um, if, you know, if they, as they went through COVID, um, you see a lot of millennials like, well, it, I'm not going after the highest paying job per se, because that doesn't guarantee my happiness. Um, I would rather go for the job that offers the most flexibility. Um, you don't have to do nine to five, like you can do flexible hours. You don't have to come in to work every day. You, you know, maybe you can uh, work remotely or, or telework. And I, I truly think, it, you know, COVID was a blessing in disguise because, you know, I for, for myself, uh, you know, it, you, you lived your life by default versus by design. And I think um, through COVID, uh, people really wanting to live like, you know, I want to live my life by design. I want to design my life. And um, hey, if a certain company or organization is not, uh, you know, we add value to the organization the same way that the value the organization adds value to our life. So if 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 there isn't that match, then okay, I'll find something else. Um, versus before, you know, especially like my parents' generation, you know, you, you take a job and you stick with it for 30 years and then you never leave until you retire. Um, so I think every generation, like, you know, it's, it's a, they're evolving and growing and really focusing on what makes them happy. It's not just all about the money. It's not all about prestige. Um, the definition of success is, you know, totally different. Um, and especially now. Uh, and you know, I, I can just really quick story. I mean, my, my previous boss just retired and, you know, really felt that her work was her life. Her life was her work. And because of that, her family suffered, um, you know, cause the, the higher you go, the more time you're spending on, on your work, uh, especially in, in that generation. And her family had to wait 30 years for her to retire to really, you know, um, have her spend time with them and, and just allow herself to just be free and travel and things like that. And I know I'm not, I would, I, I, that's not, that's not me. And I know the younger generation now, like that would never be them. You know, I think they would always, uh, look at even the term life work balance is, is doesn't exist anymore because, um, 
work is part of your life, but so is other parts of your life. So it's all the question of like, how are you balancing all parts of your life? Like your social circles, your, your self-care, your wellness, your exercise, your money, like, you know, how are we balancing all the different aspects together? I think that's really where the world's going. And how then, Jyoti, do you design the, for the life you want, not the life you have? I think a lot of people are listening to this and say, well, you know, it's easier said than done. You know, you are, you know, well-educated. You have a lot of experience. Um, you know, you're highly sought after. You have a lot going for you. You can, you're in a position to be a designer for the life you want some people may or may not be in a position like that what would you say to that you can always design the life that you want you may not always have be able to have all the aspects of the life that you want all in one shot but um i would say prioritize uh, there's a Japanese model called the Ikigai, I believe is what it's called. And it talks about all the different parts of your life. Um, and yes, you, you may not be at a position where you feel like all of the other, all the parts are balanced and is exactly the design that you want. Because guess what? You know, once you have something, you're always looking for like the next thing, right? So you're never going to be in a position where everything's perfect and everything's, you know, exactly the way you, you, you designed it and you never have to do anything again. Cause that just means you're living in comfort zone. Um, and in which case you're not growing or evolving. So there's always going to be parts of your life that you feel like, Oh, you know, I could, uh, I could design it better there, but I don't have, um, it's not, maybe it's not the highest priority right now. Um, let's say social circles. You, you might feel like, okay, well, I feel like I designed my career, uh, my um, my social circle, or my, you know, my my health, my wellness. But then maybe you know, I really need to expand on my my soul tribe or get people that I um, associate with people that I feel like that re rejuvenated energy. And yeah, you might not be able to spend as much time as you want with them, but maybe you could uh, find ways to incorporate them into your lifestyle or um, or just dedicate time. Like, you know, I have a soul uh, group of people that um, once, some, you know, maybe I would love to meet them every week, but, uh, you know, my life doesn't really accommodate that right now. Okay, well, maybe I meet them once a month and then maybe we set up phone calls um, once a week instead. So there's always ways to go about it. If you're in a career that you're not 100% happy with or you feel like it's not the way you would design it, um, can you bring happiness to your workplace? Um, there's always ways to do things that um, can make something that doesn't feel so great feel much better. Um, let's say you're doing laundry. I mean, who loves to do laundry and who would design their life that they have to do laundry? You love doing laundry? <laughs> I love, I don't I hate folding but I do love doing laundry. Oh, folding, yeah, that's what I meant. Folding laundry. I mean that, yeah. <laughs> laundry is not um, a problem. It's the folding part that I. The folding laundry. laundry, right? So okay, well, yeah, it's it's you know it's not gonna fulfill my happiness, but well, what if I just throw on some dance music in the meantime? Okay, well then you know can I make it a little bit more exciting and design that part of it at least, um, or maybe I do it in batches like. No one said I have to stay here for two hours folding laundry. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna fold like this set of clothes for the next 20 minutes while I throw on some dance music. Then I'm gonna go do something else and then come back to it. So if you're not, if you feel like you're not able to design um, something that you don't have the ownership of, like your organization, then what can you, which parts of it can you design? Um, you know, if you love coffee, well, can you bring in coffee to your workplace and that will kind of put you in a better mood or give you more energy? You know, um, can you listen to music while you're working? So, you know, try to find the parts that you do have control over and that that you can design and then little by little start focusing on all the other areas and and what can you tell employers that want to align themselves with that movement you know that trend because the trend is not going to stop i don't think i think you're right i think uh covid and you know that people understand the work-life balance is not really a thing and waiting 30 years for 
you know, for retirement, that's not a thing either. How can employers align themselves, not just from a health and wellness perspective, but just overall providing the environment that employees like to, to be with and be part of? Yeah, we are doing that as we speak. And it's a big um, process and, uh, and, and topic out there, like the future of the workforce. What is the right thing to do? Is it a hybrid environment? Is it all remote? Is it all on site? Which I don't think will ever happen again, um, unless for very dedicated professions. Like if you know, if you have to go in and build something, then yeah, you have to go in. Um, but I think all organizations are forced to to look at um, employee wellness and employee the future of the workforce very differently now, um, and really understand that an employee is going to work the best where they feel comfortable working and where they feel safe and where they feel wanted and needed and, and, and valued um, and seen. Uh, so you could come into the workplace, but if, if you still feel like nobody sees you or nobody values you, you're still going to do, you know, maybe not your best work, um, which, which could be the same as when you're at home, you know, it's so, I think it's really important for employers and organizations to really look at uh, things from a holistic viewpoint. It's not just from a performance or uh, um, producing a standpoint, which is how it was before. Okay, are the deliver you know are you delivering things on time? Are you performing um, these tasks on time? Uh, are you producing what you need to produce? And those are still things that need to be done, um, but the how you you get there the mindset has completely changed you know you don't have to uh, i know before when i asked for additional telework days it was you know it was regarded as like oh well people don't work while they're at home um so we need you on site and i'm like okay well if i'm not working when i'm at home like what makes you think i'm working when i'm on site <laughs> um you know so it's it's also the mindset of i think there might have been a, you know, there's always a couple people or, you know, a set amount of minority people that may not really produce in any environment, but that doesn't mean that you punish the entire, uh, you know, everybody else for, for those set of people. And, and maybe right. those are the wrong people to begin with. Exactly. And that's really an important point because just because somebody is not being productive or producing in a certain environment, doing a certain job, there's a lot of um, judgment on that person, right? Oh, well, that person is like, you know, they just, they're terrible. And they're, you know, it, you start creating like a negative opinion about them, but maybe it's just not the right fit. And unless someone gives them the, an opportunity, like, well, you know what, maybe you should try this other, um, you know, type of work instead, and that could be their their thing that 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 totally you know changes how how they how they operate. Um, and I do that with my kids again. You know, bringing the same concepts at, in the home front. You know, um, like my my son loves uh, cleaning the floor, <laughs> um, and he'll do it in his own way. Like he'll take a couple paper paper towels, put it on the floor and he'll kind of like start ice skating with it and making it his own thing. Like again, designing a, a task the way that he loves to do it and everything will be great. But if I get, if I try to tell him to do fold his laundry, oh, it would take him forever, like sitting there complaining and whining and it's more of a headache for me to be like, oh my God, I gotta listen to this. <laughs> um, so I'm like, you know what? Why don't you stick with what, what you are actually good at and cleaning the floors. Um, and my daughter is good at like decorating and things like that. Um, which I think brings us to this other topic of, you know, I was always taught that um, you should focus on your weaknesses and try to get better at those. But I've learned over the years, you should focus on your strengths and then get get really good at those. And, you know, not to forget about your weaknesses, but understand like, okay, they are your weaknesses, but it doesn't mean you have to now make that your job to get to become better at your weaknesses. I would just focus on your strengths because that's what's going to get you to the life that, that you can truly design. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's been absolutely fascinating. I, I feel like we can go on for at least double and we have to do a, a part B of this conversation. I feel like we're just trying to get warmed up. But before I, before I let you go, 
Um, and I really appreciate the time today. I know you were super busy. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you find that all of that, you know, changing the workforce, you know, these health and wellness requirements, and then the emergence of, of AI and chat GPT and all these robots that potentially can displace us, would that accelerate potentially because you don't need a health and wellness program for a robot? You know, they don't take time off. They do what they're told. They're, you know, they, they can work 24-7. And they may yet yeah, the beginning will be the cost will be prohibitive, but again, if you don't have to pay somebody all those wellness days, take off day, I mean, all kinds of stuff. This just like COVID, you know, accelerated the digital digital transformation. Can the movement of just kind of you know getting the workplace, these you know, design, life design, all that stuff will accelerate the adoption of AI by by companies? Uh, you know, AI is already there and it's just going to keep growing just like cybersecurity. Um, so I think it's just uh, something that we need to prepare for. Uh, and there is a place for for that. I wouldn't say it's going to replace every single person in the workplace because there are certain um, positions where you need that human interaction um, and that social in interaction. But there are also uh tasks that can be done, you know, like the, the more mundane tasks that previously might have, there was a human doing it, but it's like the same thing day in, day out. I think those are tasks that can truly be automated. And I know we're already looking at that in the technology and cyberspace. Um, you know, I, I would, I am still very concerned about AI having its own personality, because like you said, robots may not need wellness, but there's lots of you know, proof out there that there there's certain robots that are kind of having its own mindset and its own personality. So, uh, yeah, something to, uh, you know, look out for. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I like the, the positive uh, note. And what easiest way, uh, Josie, to, uh, to get in touch with you, to know more about what you've done for the Helpful Wellness Program, for coaching, whatever the case may be? Uh, sure. So I have my website. It's jothidugar.com, J-O-T-H-I-D-U-G-A-R.com. Or I'm also on LinkedIn. If you can just search for The Chaos Guru or by my name. And uh, those are probably the two easiest ways to contact me. Absolutely amazing. And you've done a really phenomenal job answering my completely unscripted conversation. This was really great. And I, for all those who joined, thanks very much for taking the time to listen today. And Looking forward to uh, hearing the next episode. And until then, stay safe online is offline as well. Thank you, Jyoti, for joining. Thank you. Thank you.